Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au be good to go. But uh, welcome once again to Elevation. If I haven't had the privilege of meeting you uh, before, uh, my name is Marty and together with Rachel, who you already met before we get the great privilege of leading this location of Elevation. And uh, we've had a, a great start to the year for us as a church. Uh, January 2nd, heard a great message from Chris, our youth director, who was awesome. Is probably just stuck from the drums to the toilet. Sorry, Chris. Um, just sorry, everyone. But uh, great to, it was an awesome time uh, together as he shared about leveling up. If you haven't heard that message, jump on the podcast. And then last week we had uh, three different preachers in our uh, summer fire messages. So we heard from Gavin and Charmaine and Jackie, which was awesome. Come on, we can give them a huge cheer as well, which was great. And so, uh, as Rachel said, uh, we're starting uh, a season uh, which we call Fresh Air, so of uh, setting aside uh, time and encouraging everyone to create some space and seek God for the year ahead and to get some fresh air. We, we all know, you know, the, the power and how good it feels to have, to have fresh air. I, I think I've shared this before nearly three years in, so I have to say that about a few things now. Um, but I remember as a 16-year-old uh, in 1999, uh, that's right, the previous millennium, um, taking my first plane ride uh, from Sydney to LA, uh, first time I've been on a plane. Do you remember those? You used to fly on those to go places and stuff. Anyway, uh, anyway, um, so I remember jumping on uh, one of those going to going to LA, and um, as you as you came in, especially in the late '90s in Los Angeles, as you came in to land, you would physically see the smog cloud over the top of LA. And uh, being someone from a small country town in uh, New South Wales that was used to fresh air and could hear cows mooing while going off to sleep, um, I was shocked at this dirty, polluted air over the city of LA. Loved LA, by the way, and Disneyland and all, and all, and all those things. But there's, we all know the value of fresh air and we know how much harm polluted air does on the other side. And so we're believing that this year, this year God has some fresh air for you to fill your lungs with life, with health, with a plan and a purpose that He has for your life. And so some of us, some of you maybe even be thinking, well, I don't even want to think about the year ahead. Rach has already mentioned a couple of things around this. You know, maybe you feel like it stirs worry or anxiety or even fear. But I'd love to remind you that whatever this year brings, whatever you're maybe thinking this year may bring, we serve a God that's far greater, that's far stronger, that's far wiser than anything that may come. And in fact, He has a plan that whatever happens, He uses it if we allow Him to shape us and form us into the people that He has called us to, to be followers of Jesus Christ. And the great thing is that there's an invitation for all of us to step into part of this plan that He has to see the good news of the gospel spread right across every area of society. And so we, we, we get this great opportunity, no matter what the year may bring. So today I'm going to be speaking about cultivating this um, this environment around our lives to help us step out of the daily routine to really place a focus on seeking God for what He has for our lives for that 
fresh air. And so I'm going to use part of the story from uh, the Old Testament, which is found across several books. And I've been uh, reading these myself personally over, uh, over the start of this year, the books of Ezra, of Nehemiah, and the last three in the Old Testament of Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. And basically, this story, what it, what it is in the, big, in the big picture, let me give you the big picture, then we'll zoom in for a second. It's a recount of God's people of the Old Testament, that was the Jews, returning from exile in Babylon. So they had been taken 70 years earlier into captivity in Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar. And this was because as a people, they'd turned away from God. They'd become complacent towards God's word and commands. And so God allowed foreign armies to come in and have victory over them. The Babylonians, when they came into Jerusalem, the the capital, um, they had ransacked the temple they destroyed the city walls. They'd taken away all the educated and skilled members of the community. And they'd, they'd taken them to form them into the culture and the ways of Babylon. But now, where we pick up the story, the Jews are returning to Jerusalem to rebuild what had been lost. And part of the journey was completed by this guy named Ezra. There's, there's a book in the Old Testament called Ezra. And so he was a teacher of God's Word. He was one of the leaders at the time, and he was leading this group of Jews who were returning all the precious and expensive items that had been taken from the temple to Babylon. And so as this group goes to prepare for this journey back from Babylon to uh, Jerusalem, he stops and he calls the people to a fast. That, that, that is three days, we'll read it in a second, of, of not eating, of fasting before God. And we'll read that in a second, but, but I want to stop there and pause because I believe this has so much significance for us here today because there's a journey that God wants to take you on in 2022. Just like the Jews were leaving, ba- were leaving Babylon and in the Bible, Babylon is a physical place. It actually happened, but it's also a picture of the things of this world. It's also a picture of the culture of this world leading us away from God. And so just like the Jews, God wants to take you away from that and return to Jerusalem or return, we're not all going to Jerusalem because you, know, you can't at the moment, but um, return to God. Okay, and there's some things of this world that God wants us to leave behind, a journey that he has for us this year, to leave behind some of the stuff of this world to follow after him. And so let's read the, let's read the uh, Bible together. It's Ezra 8, uh, Verses 21 to 23, you can find it in your Bible or on the screen behind me. Uh, Ezra speaking, he says this, Then I proclaimed the fast there at the river uh, river of Ahava, um, like Yahava, but slightly different, um, that we might humble ourselves before our God to seek from him the right way for us and our little ones and all our possessions. For I was ashamed to request of the king an escort of soldiers and horsemen to help us against the enemy on the road, because we had spoken to the king, saying, The hand of our God is upon all those for good who seek him, but his power and his wrath are against all those who forsake him. So we fasted and entreated our God for this, and he answered our prayer. Here we see that Ezra is using this, this practice of a fast to approach God in, in three ways that scripture just said, and that is to approach God in humility, to seek direction from him, and to ask for protection. As it said in that passage, Ezra had already talked to uh, the king at the time and said, you know what, God is for us. 
We're taking all these precious, expensive things back to Jerusalem. So, so we don't need your escort. Our God is the one who will um, protect us. And so he's spoken to the king about that. So he said, you know what? Uh, I, I don't want to just talk about that with the king. I want to see this demonstrated in our lives, not just talked about. And, and maybe you hear that scripture and, and hear some of the background and think, okay, that's that's great. You know what? If I was traveling a bandit-filled road in about 520 BC, I, I'd be fasting and, and praying just so, you know, just so I didn't die, you know, just to, just to get through. What, is it, what does it mean for me? Well, as I mentioned, in all our lives, there's these things of Babylon, these things of the world that we need to leave behind. And fasting, which we'll, we'll, we'll speak about a little bit more, uh, fasting is one of the practices that helps us to go no to the world and yes to God. Speaking about the practice of fasting as a whole, uh, author Richard Foster says this. It'll be on the screen because um, it's a fairly you know, meaty uh, type of paragraph. He says, Fasting helps us keep our balance in life. How easily we begin to allow non-essentials to take precedence in our lives, how quickly we crave things we do not need until we are enslaved by them. Paul writes, All things are lawful for me, but I will not be enslaved by anything. 1 Corinthians 6 12. Our human cravings and desires are like rivers that tend to overflow their banks. Fasting helps keep them in their proper channels. You see, we don't fast because there's anything wrong with food. We don't fast because we want to kickstart our January weight loss or health goal. That could be a positive byproduct of it, but we don't do it for that reason. We don't fast because God is, is distracted and doesn't care about us, and it's like we're, you know, jumping up and down and waving our hands. Hey, God, look at me. Look at me. I'm fasting. Would you just give me, would you give me some attention? We fast to bring focus and attention to the things of God in our lives, to put things like food, Netflix, movies, social media, all those things in their proper place. Are those things evil? Absolutely not. But they have a proper place in our lives. In his great book, The Fasting Edge, I'm not very smart, but I can read smart people, so that's why you'll get a few quotes here. But in his great book, The Fasting Edge, pastor and author Jensen Franklin, he uses this illustration of two guys chopping wood. And it's a, it's a fairly um, old and well-used one, but it's the one guy just goes hard and chops and chops and chops and chops. The other guy chops for an hour, sits down, sharpens his axe goes again, chops again for an hour, sits down, sharpens his axe. And so what Jensen Franklin does is he relates fasting to giving us a spiritual edge. Just like the guy who sharpened his axe every hour and got through the tree quicker than the guy that just went hard the whole time. He talks about fasting helps us to sharpen our spiritual edge. Here's a quote from the book. He says, Seasons of fasting and prayer help you, uh, help you get your sensitivity back to the things of God. When you have become dull by the constant bombardment of trash all around you, fasting helps you get the edge back to cut through the trash and clean it out. Remember my flight to LA, that dirty, polluted air um, that, that, that I saw? I wonder if you get a spiritual air quality reading on the things that we are breathing in from our current culture. I wonder what it would say. What would be the air quality reading that we're breathing each and every day? Because I believe that we need some fresh air. We need some fresh air. 
Now, we've talked about this, but you know, traditionally, uh, fasting is food, and, but we can add other aspects into our lives that we fast. Maybe you can't fast food because of uh, a medical condition or, or something along those lines. Can I encourage you to find something that will fast, that will create space? Uh, I've shared some ideas already. It could, be, it could be social media. It could be YouTube. Maybe you just love cat videos. And you're like, you know what? If I could just stop watching the funny cat videos for like 10 minutes a day, maybe I could create some space for God to speak to me. Maybe it's Netflix or whatever the streaming you know, platform of your choice is, but there's something about saying no to things to say yes to God. And can I say for those who can fast food, fast food, yeah, we definitely fast food, but for those who can fast from eating food, um, there is something powerful about that. There is something about saying no to those things. And so I want to encourage you, like Rachel said, we have uh, the prayer and fasting calendars down the back. Make sure you take one of those. It's just a little structure to help you uh, pray over these next 14 days. If you don't receive our regular email outs, fill out a red card with your email address because one will go out tomorrow that have a whole bunch of fasting resources. Um, If you're not fasting social media, check our social media accounts because we will have some resources on that as well. Just the church ones. Unfollow everyone else. No, I'm joking. But um, there's something about setting aside this time. A a great mentor in my life always said that a fast from food is not a hunger strike, but it's a feast on God's Word. It's taking time to add more of God's Word, add more of God's presence in your life during this time. That could be reading your Bible. That could be listening to a a podcast or a message. That could be your own personal worship time, you know, Spotify on, um, you know, earplugs in, just just letting the presence and the power of God surround our lives because we're so surrounded by low-quality air everywhere else. Why, Why would we not take some time for the fresh air that God wants to bring to each and every one of our lives. But uh, I want to finish today by um, circling back to the scripture I read from Ezra. And there's those two, three attributes that it speaks of when when, when it talks about fasting. And so Ezra prayed this. The first thing he prayed is that they would humble themselves before God. Humble ourselves before God. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, Uh, Verses 5 to 7, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, and at the right time, He will lift you up in honour. Give all your worries and cares to God, for He cares about you. You know, fasting is humbling ourselves. It's humbling. Sometimes we need that physical reminder that just helps to create that transformation in our lives. Author John Mark Comer says this, he says, fasting trains our bodies to not get what they want, at least not all the time. This is yet another reason why in a culture so run by feelings and desire, fasting is a bizarre idea even to Christians. We assume that we must get what we want to be happy, and by want we often mean what our flesh wants. This simply isn't true. With fasting, we decide of our own accord not to give our bodies what they want, food. As a result, when someone else decides not to give us what we want or life circumstances decide or even God decides, we don't freak out, rage or go ballistic on Twitter. (laughs) Uh, We've trained our souls to be happy and at peace even when we don't get our own way. What? No way. No way. That can't be possible. That can't be possible. You see, usually... 
We pit humility against pride, which we often just define as brash arrogance. But can I say, pride is not always the person that continuously talks himself up. Pride is not always the person who exaggerates every story in their favor. That is also pride, but it's not just, it's not just that. You see, sometimes it's an internal pride where we, won't, where we won't let go of things, where we won't let go of worries and we try and control situations and people without being the loudest at the party. You know, when we keep our worries and cares to ourselves, we're saying to God, because notice that scripture we read from Peter, it goes, it connects and it links humbling, with oursel- humbling ourselves sorry, with giving our cares and our worries to God. So when we keep our worries and cares to ourselves, we are saying to God, even if we don't realize it, hey God, I've got this, I know you, you know, created heavens and earth, all-powerful, omnipresent, all those three omnis. I know, I know you're all that, but this situation, I'm just going to keep with me because I'm going to be able to sort it out better than you. I, I know you have the best for me. I know you want to do this, you want to do that, but I think I'll just, I've got this one, God. I've got it under control. And when we do that, let's be honest, and we all do that. I do that. When we do that, we actually, we're not humbling ourselves before God. We're in a form of pride. And what happens is a fast calls us and it helps us to say, I'm not going to live in pride. I'm going to humble myself under God and I'm going to know that He is going to make a way. I know that He is going to make a way. Let me just speak specifically uh, into our current climate that we're facing. We have many people across our state worried and fearful about a number of things. Some are worried about borders opening and the effects of COVID on health, on businesses, on work life, and on the availability of chicken at KFC. Some are worried about that, I know. Some are worried about borders not opening and the impact on being able to see loved ones, impact on businesses, and impact on travel plans. Others are worried and fearful about government mandates or government um, overreach and civil liberties. Still others are worried and fearful that people are thinking too much about individual rights, civil liberties, and not about protection as a whole. There's a whole bunch of things that is worry and fear in our society. Then add in maybe a personal situation that you're facing, maybe something financial, maybe something relational. Our response in all of this, our response is to give our worries and fears to God. That's our response. Whatever we're worried and feared about, our response is to humble ourselves, like 1 Peter says, under the mighty hand of God and give our worries and fears to Him and know that He sorts it out that he is in control, that like John Mark Comer says, we don't need to rage on Twitter. I don't think anyone in Australia uses Twitter. He's American. But anyway, we don't need to rage on Facebook or anything like that. We come into a peace and understanding that God has got it all under control. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't be concerned about any of those things or that we must have some sort of like false facade that just says, God will just work it out and never have any open, honest, real, meaningful conversation with people about how we're feeling. But in the end, we come back to a posture that humbles ourselves under, as Peter wrote, God's mighty hand. Because when all is said and done, He is in control. And the practice of fasting helps to remind us of that. 
Sometimes when we think about how our life is changed and transformed by God, we think of our body as last. So we think, okay, I've got to renew my mind, which we do. I've got to change my heart, and then my actions will change. That is true, but also very true is that sometimes we do an action, something physical, that reminds us, no, that's right, God's in control. That reminds us something about who God is and who he has called us to be. So number one thing about what does fasting do for us? It it, it reminds us to humble ourselves under God's mighty hand. Uh, And the second slash third thing, I sort of had two, sort of had three, so just squished them together, two, is it gives us direction and protection. Direction and protection. Maybe Liam can join me on the guitar, mate, would be great. Ezra said to seek him, uh, to seek from him the right way for us. For Ezra, the direction they took on their journey was linked to their protection. So obviously Ezra and the other Jews in his traveling party, they are returning the precious items that had been taken and stolen from God's temple when it was invaded by Babylon. Uh, They were on this journey of returning these things to their rightful place. They had a clear direction from God. Maybe, Maybe in your life, there's some things that have been stolen by the world. Possibly because of your own poor choices. We've all made those. And we're like, something was stolen. We're like, it was the devil. No, it was because you're an idiot. Okay, yes, all right, I understand. It's because I'm an idiot. I repent, God, and I can ask God for your protection, for you to bring those things back. It's what we're just saying about that. He turns graves into gardens, that He turns mourning into dancing. Maybe in your family, there's been a legacy passed down that is less than God's plan for your life. Maybe a history of broken marriages. Maybe family trauma that's never been healed and restored. But whatever the situation may be, as you follow God's direction, there's a journey of restoration that God has. If you're uh, my era or a little bit older, uh, you may remember a song in church. I went to the enemy's camp and I took back. That's right, I want to sing it, but I won't. Who, Who remembers that song? No, some people do. Some people are like, no, I'm too young for that one. Some people don't want to admit it, but it's okay. It's all right. It's all right. Sing it. That's right. But there's stolen dreams. The disappointment of the world has come in and stolen that dream from your life that will never happen. There's stolen relationships. Maybe a fence was taken. Maybe friendships and family relationships were cut off. But just like Ezra prayed and fasted that God would protect those precious items being returned. I believe that we can fast and pray for God's protection over our journey of life and that we can bring back those things that have been stolen as God's plan is to restore those things back to our lives and back to our family. But when we say protection and direction, it's not just for things past, but it's for things present as well. Protection for right now, protection over our health, protection over our family, protection over our finances. As we, as we like Rach said, the language from Romans 12, as we beseech God, as we are passionate about Him and what He has for our lives, as we set aside time and space to honour Him, to worship Him, to seek His Word, God comes and He brings protection over our lives, not because God wants to make everything easy and nice and rosy, but because we are His children. We are His children. And I'm reminded of these words in the most famous Psalm of the Bible. The Psalms are a book of prayers and and songs. Psalm 23, verse 4 to 6. This is the NLT, so it'll 
mess up your head if you've you know, memorized it in King James or whatever. But it says, Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honour me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Live in the house of the Lord forever. Come on, as we fast and lay aside something of this world to take up what God has for us, it reminds us that it's not food that sustains us, but God. It reminds us that it's not the things of the world that ultimately ultimately protect us, even though we use wisdom and healthcare and, you know, insurance and all those, all those types of things. We don't go funny the other way or whatever. But ultimately, we understand that it is God who protects us. Amen. Ultimately, God protects. And as we fast and pray over this season, there's something that I believe is powerful is going to happen on the inside of our lives. There's something powerful that's going to happen in this church. We're going to be fasting. I'm going to be praying those things over our church, that we would, as a church, we would humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, that He is the one who lifts up and honours, that we wouldn't approach God with any sense of entitlement, but we would know that it's only by grace that we are saved. That, that direction, that like we've said, whatever 2022 brings, that we would be directed and we would be spirit-led in our decisions as a church. We don't promise to always get it right, but we do promise to do our best to hear from heaven, to hear from God's direction for our lives and have the courage to follow what He is calling us to. And, and we're praying protection over our church, protection over our health, protection over our, over our young people as the wave of popular culture is crashing over that saying something completely different to the Word of God. Protect our minds from the negative influences, the, the fear-based language that just permeates, our, permeates sorry, our society. Protect and heal our emotions from the hurts and the letdowns and the disappointments because we are hungry and desperate for God to move by His power. There's a great verse uh, that I'll share in a couple of weeks, but it's from the same type of story, maybe as the rest of the band just joins us up here. Um, there's a great scripture from another part of the story where a guy called, um, a guy called Zerubbabel, great name, is, um, is rebuilding the temple. And the prophet Zechariah comes to him and he says, this is the word of the Lord for you, that it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, declares the Lord. Now, that doesn't mean that Zechariah, you know, puts down, the, puts down the trowel, stops putting down bricks and says, great, holiday time, two weeks holiday, 14 days off. This is awesome. No, no, he, he doesn't do that. He continues to do the work, but he understands that ultimately it is God and it's his power and it's his spirit working in our lives. And so this morning, we're going to, uh, sing another, another worship song. It's an older one, a short yet powerful song that declares the power of God to fill us with His presence every day. It's a, it's a heart's cry that we are setting our lives and we are setting our hearts towards Him. But just, but just before we do that, we give in every service an opportunity for those who haven't made a decision to follow Jesus to take that line in the sand moment and say yes to God. So just across this place as every head is bowed, 
and every eye is closed. If you're here and you've never said yes to Jesus Christ before, or maybe you have and it was a while ago and something's come to, to distract and to cut off that relationship that you have with Jesus, if that's you and you'd like to recommit or for the first time commit your life to Jesus Christ, would you just lift your hand right now where you are? We'll see it. You can put it back down. And then together as a church, we're going to pray.